Hi, welcome to another edition of The Chat, uh, where we talk about all things Chatham County. My name is Katherine Glaspie, and I'm the Public Information Director for Chatham County. I am joined today by Abby Murphy, the Public Information Specialist uh, here in the Public Information Office. And our guest today is going to be Dr. Jake Harper, who is our Director of Animal Services. So you kind of know the topic already, Animal Services, um, but we have some specific programs that we want to, to bring to you. You probably noticed that our format is a little bit different than when we started this uh, about six, seven months ago. Um, we can't all be together in our room because we have to be safe um, and we didn't want to have to have masks. So kind of hard to do a podcast when, you're, when you've got a mask on and you're all kind of muffled and that kind of stuff. So the best way to do it was by Zoom. So you're going to see a lot of the chats by, via Zoom um, probably for the next six to eight months. Um, and, you know, it's just part of our new um, normal abnormal, uh, as we call it here. So with that, uh, I'm going to get into our topic today. Dr. Harper is going to talk to us about a new program that we have here in Chatham County that we're piloting. Um, it's actually one near and dear to my heart. Um, most people that know me know that I am just wildly this crazy animal person, um, maybe a little bit too much so sometimes, um, but trap, neuter, and return has always been something that I felt like we should do here. Um, and I'm excited that we're getting to that point. Um, our program is actually called a TNVR because we're going to vaccinate as well uh, as return. Um, so Dr. Harper, tell us what this pilot program is and get us kind of started on this topic. So we've, we've um, started this pilot program to actually return cats to return healthy stray cats rather than trap them, bring them to the shelter and have them, you know, the majority of those cats actually were euthanized. I mean, we're talking, you know, 70, 80% of those cats. So we're looking at something to, to address this issue a little bit differently. Um, what it involves is actually trapping the cats, then bringing them in for a surgery to spay or neuter them. And they're vaccinated for rabies and FVRCP and then they're returned to where they came from. Um, what that typically does is it frees up space in the shelter for healthy, healthy owned cats or previously owned cats or adoptable cats. Um, and it also, a, a, it's also a different way to address the overpopulation issue that we're seeing in Chatham County that we've seen for years. So Dr. Harper, I just know from my, my reading uh, about TNR programs that it, it's not an instant fix. This is gonna take time to fix that overpopulation, but if you, if you keep at it and you do it very methodically, you can actually reduce those populations uh, by a, a great percentage over like three to five years. Is that, right. is that what you're saying yeah, too? Yeah, there's some of the studies that say they're a little bit, you know, that, that time some of them are a little bit longer, but I think the biggest, biggest part of this is that, you know, we go back to the reason that we're trying to remove these cats from the environment. And one is that they're a nuisance. Um, mm -hmm. You know, typically that's what we get calls for. They're stray cats, they're, you know, getting in people's yards, getting in people's cars, defecating places, those, you know, just causing a nuisance. And that is, you know, a lot of that is because there are so many cats. Um, mm -hmm. The other part of that is that they, you know, typically these cats in these situations aren't spayed or neutered. And a lot of the behaviors that we see with these, that are related to these nuisance activities are, can be directly contributed to the fact that they aren't, they're intact animals. You know, intact animals tend to roam more, especially the males. They tend, you know, they tend to look for mates. Um, they can uh -huh. tend to be territorial. They go, they 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 go further in the environment, 
And, you know, the first step in this program is, you know, if you put back, you know, you're taking these animals away, initially where we were just removing them from the environment, other animals, will, the other cats fill their spot. Because there is a, there is a, there's an amount of resource there that needs to be taken care of. And when you're feeding, you know, when people are feeding these cats, you know, they're, the food's there, the cats will come. If you take cats away, then cats find a way to, you know, sometimes they even make more cats because they're, they're intact. So the situation is if we put cats back, we're filling that space again, but we're filling it with cats that are spayed or neutered, which will behave more like we want them to behave. They don't roam. They don't typically go about, you know, they're, you know, most of them are healthy cats to begin with, but they don't typically, you know, go out of these small areas to look for food. They also can't reproduce. So you don't have one cat that can produce, you know, six kittens every six months to, and then those cats, you don't have this multiplication that happens. Right. And, and that's what we see a lot in the shelter is the result of that. Cause you guys, as soon as it starts getting warm outside until it starts getting cold outside and sometimes even longer, you're getting kittens in because all these, um, Un, unspayed and neutered cats are having kittens and people bring them to the shelter and you know you can adopt those out but it's still an overpopulation and capacity issue right um so i, I think that's really important for people to know abby yeah. i know you have some questions i'm sorry dr harper go ahead well, you know just speaking directly for kittens you know we see you know we do see a lot of kittens and a lot of times those are coming from stray cats we can talk about them being feral, whether or not they're feral or not, doesn't really necessarily matter in these cases, but we have people that want to surrender just, the, they, they find a litter of kittens. These litter, this litter of kittens may be anywhere from a day old to, you know, six weeks old. And if they, if they end up bringing the, try to bring those to the shelter, we don't have the capacity oftentimes to, to care for these kittens. I mean, you know, it's what you, you know probably better than most, these kittens, it's like having a baby. You have to feed these kittens, you know, two, every two hours. You have to take care of these kittens. We don't have the, you know, we don't have the capacity in the foster program to support that. So what we recommend with people that have, you know, that they're finding these litter of cats, they say that they're, it's always they're abandoned. Well, they're not abandoned typically. Typically right. what happens is you've scared the mother off. So we're asking people, you know, if you, if you do find a litter of really young kittens, leave the kittens there watch them for 24 hours. If someone, if the mom doesn't come back, then certainly we can find something to do. You know, we try to find something to do with those cats. Sure. Unfortunately, a lot of times those cats, because of the just sheer labor intensity of, of raising kittens, those, some of those cats are euthanized because there's just nowhere to care for them. Right. Um, there are other programs for that too. You know, we, you know, you do a lot of that and the humane side will do some of those things too. But, you know, we're working at this, from a variety of issues, you know, for a variety of angles. And I think that's one of the angles we need to work from too. Yeah. And you, yeah. you alluded to the fact that I do foster and I tend to do younger kittens. Um, I happen to like those bottle feeders. I'm crazy like that. Um, for some reason I want to get up every two hours, but you, you really do. You, you get up every two hours and feed them. Um, and it's very, very intensive. So you don't have a lot of fosters necessarily that can do that. Um, I want to come back to the foster program in a minute, um, just to make a general statement, but I know Abby is burning to ask a couple questions. Well, I wanted to say that that is a good tip for if you come across some kittens to wait maybe 24 hours to see what happens, because I, I, 
I would think, oh no, their mom left. So that's a good tip to, to, um, to know. And uh, I was wondering, so when is this program starting, the, the trap, neuter, vaccinate, return program? We've started it already. We've, we've got about, we've given out vouchers. It's a voucher program. So what happens is when and it's, the pilot program is set up to, uh, to account for the animals that would, the cats that would normally be brought here in traps that most likely would be euthanized. So it's typically those complaint driven things where, you know, my neighbor's feeding all these cats, what can I do about them? Or I've got all these cats I need to, that I'm gonna surrender to you, they're not really my cats, those type situations. In that situation, then we, we can arrange to get a voucher. You know, they, they can get a voucher for a spay or neuter. And what typically what happens, they call us, we arrange for the voucher, we arrange for them to pick up a voucher or possibly a trap if they need it. Then they contact the Humane Society when they contact the Humane Society, they're set up with an appointment to, to know the night before their appointment, they're to put the trap out, they trap the cat, and then they bring it to the Humane Society, give them the voucher and they get this, they can have the surgery that day and then they return that afternoon. Um, we have a volunteer program set up with the Humane Society. So if there are issues with transportation, those type things, and they can actually talk to, you know, talk to Courtney over at the Humane Society and she can work with those, work with them with issues of transportation to get the cats back and forth. So if somebody has one of these nuisance cats or um, a cat that they feel like should be a part of this program, how how do they become a part of the program? They contact, we, they would contact us. They give us the call at the 652-6575 number. Um, we can, we'll talk to them about the program. We get them set up to come by and pick up a voucher. Um, there are a lot, of, we have a limited number of vouchers available, but we can, we can accommodate a lot of people at the, at the, during the pilot program. What we'll do is if they have more, if it's more than one cat, you know, if we've got people that have maybe three, you know, three, four, five, a multitude of cats that need to be trapped, we're doing it two vouchers at a time to give them time to trap, put them back, and then we can re redo the vouchers just sure. to allow for more people to be involved. And also to, you know, if we were to get, you know, we have a limited number of traps available as well. So right. you got to keep it, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's a limited, like I said, it's a pilot program, so it's limited right now, but we want to see how, how this changes our life-saving capacity at the shelter. How long is your pilot program going to run? It's, typically, it's set up to run for three months, but we have 315 vouchers. Okay. So when those vouchers are, when those vouchers are extended, that's, that'll be kind of the end of the program. And hopefully once we can look at the data afterwards, we may be able to get additional funding for this. Okay. Do you, do you expect to... Yeah, I, I think in terms of government, because I'm a government employee. Um, so if it's three months long, you're already into it, and then you're going to look at the data. So does that mean that you'll start looking at funding for FY22, which for us at the county starts next July, to continue the program? Is that the, yeah, is that the really, plan? Yeah, that, that's what we're looking at to see kind of how it's going to work and, you know, look at some of the statistics, look at some of the, just the community involvement. I think that's the other thing is that's, you know, what we're finding now is there are many people that are for the program and there are some people that are a little bit lukewarm on the program. And I think the lukewarm sure. people, you know, I think if we can show that there are different ways to address the nuisance problems that, they, that they're seeing, I think that's where we try to get more people on board with this. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big undertaking when you look at, you know, the amount of, you know, taking in 1,800 cats a year or, you know, 1,800, what, stray cats 
Mm -hmm. that's, that's a that's a pretty significant amount of that's a pretty significant amount of money would need be needed to spay and neuter all those cats. Um, but we're trying, you know, as we introduce this program, hopefully we'll get kind of more, you know, we can get more community involvement, get more, get more funding available so that we can proceed to, you know, do it a little bit more often. Yeah, because I, I do know that just from being a part of this community that, you know, sometimes there, there are opportunities for funding outside of the source of taxpayer dollars. And I right. know you guys have been looking at that um, and figuring out how we can leverage all the monies together to make the best program. Right. This, the funding that we have for this program is from Best Friends, which is an animal welfare organization. So they're putting up the funds to do do the pilot program, and hopefully, there may be even funds left from them to come back mm -hmm. and in the program. But we have to kind of show that we were able to do this. Right. Absolutely. And I, I I think that's one of the things that you know the community needs to see is that. And, and you're only talking 315 cats, so it isn't going to reduce the population quickly. Because um, like we said before, it takes a little while for this to actually work, but it does help figure out if it's gonna be um, good for the shelter because you're not going to have to bring in all these animals and then find out if they're adoptable or not. Right. Um, that's, and that's that's what I've discussed. You know, I've had some, you know, some of the, you know, discussions I've had with citizens, you know, about this. And, you know, we, if you look at it as just the individual cats that we're taking care of, that's one issue. But if you look at the overall issue of, okay, if you, we have a limited amount of space we have at the shelter. So if you, the only way to change any of the number, the only way to change any of the numbers is you don't intake cats or you don't euthanize the cats and or you don't adopt the cats you know you, there's right. you know in and out so you have to balance the in and out and if we can adjust the way we take in animals then we can adjust the way you know then we can adjust the ratios of live release versus euthanasia those kind of things and the other part of this is if you take in less animals then you have more space to take care of the animals that you have that are adoptable right. so you know, every cage that we have is that, you know, the, if we can actually get them in and adopted versus get them in, hold them and wait for them to be adopted, then we free up space to take in animals so we can more better manage the population. Sure, that makes sense. Abby, do you have any more questions that you want to ask Dr. Harper about the TNR program or TNVR program? I've got to remember to put that V in there. Um, well, I think that just about covers it because we were just wanting to know, you know, how you could how, how you could go about getting involved if you think there's some cats that need to be um, that you would like to have them neutered and vaccinated and returned um, and the point of doing it, which is to reduce the, the capacity that um, animal services has for um, for holding animals. But I know we wanted to talk about the free cat adoptions. Um, so maybe we should change subjects that way and uh, and talk about this really happy topic of cute kittens and cats that are available. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, it, uh, not necessarily in conjunction with this, but just as just as a process, we have taken in a lot of cats. So one of the, one of our biggest things is our cat adoptions have decreased significantly you know, with all the COVID and the pandemic that's going on, um, we're seeing less visitors to the shelter. Some of that is by 
by choice because mm -hmm. we are limiting the, the visitors by appointment only so that we can kind of control the people that come in and out. But we're also seeing probably a little bit less interest in adopting animals at this time. So one of the ways we kind of drop, you know, we can kind of drum up a little bit of, you know, you know, publicity and just get people into the shelter and know that learn about the cats is through free adoptions. Um, the adoption includes everything that you would need for the cat to begin with. I mean, there, there, that includes a spay and neuter. It includes all their, all the vaccines up until they're, you know, age appropriate vaccines. They're all tested for feline leukemia, FIV. Um, they're dewormed. And we have, we're working on getting a lot of them up on the website. I think we've got some are on the Facebook or on a Facebook page. Um, we're getting a lot of those up there so people can go online. They can look at a cat on Facebook. They can pick a cat that they might want to come look at. They can set, schedule an appointment, come in to look at the cats. Um, we're doing, we haven't had a lot of, you know, a lot of visitors lately. It's It's been a little bit less, I think, with school starting back and people being at home. I think there's a lot more stuff going on that people want to handle right now. So I think that this may help us you know, get out the word that we're, we've, we still have animals to be adopted. So we, you know, come by and pick one out. So if you see a, a cat that you like on Facebook, cause I know y'all are updating that regularly. Um, what's the best way to reach out and find out if that cat is still available for adoption? There is, you know, typically the best way to do it is to call and ask. I mean, you can call the, call the number 652-6575. We can talk to you about that. You know, we'll get emails. There's a contact us linked on our actual website that we will get people that will contact us through that. Um, you can reply on Facebook. Sometimes, you know, we, we monitor that Facebook page enough that we can kind of reply to those, you know, usually within 24 hours if there's a request for an animal. Um, sometimes, we, sometimes we may not get back to you, but if you don't get a response in one of, one of the methods, the best, you know, you certainly can call. And we're trying to keep it updated as far as like if an animal gets adopted, we're trying to put that back, you know, we either take it down from the page or we may put something up to say, you know, a little, something on the actual, the website, on the Facebook picture to say that it was adopted. So let's talk about coming to the shelter right now. Um, we are, just as in with, with all county buildings, we're trying to do most things by appointment only, um, or, um, you know, make sure that we can socially distance within the building when we bring visitors in. But in your case, we're doing by appointment only. So if someone is interested in an animal um, or just, you know, they don't see it on Facebook, but they just want to come in and kind of browse. I know that sounds a little weird to say browse, but right. come in and just see what, see what's in the shelter at the moment. They can call that 652-6575. Did I say that right? Seven, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 6575 number and make an appointment. But you guys are open for adoptions from 1 from to 4.30? 1 to 4.30 daily, except for Wednesdays and holidays. Okay. Yeah, so we're open. You know, we have people that will call and, you know, they, when we first started the appointments, we'd ask people to, you know, look on the website or look on the Facebook page, pick a couple of animals that they were interested in. So we could kind of, you know, keep the appointments kind of set up because, you know, we thought that response would be a little bit more than what it is. Um, but what we're doing now is like, if you, like you said, like, if you want to come browse, if you want to come, you know, if you don't see something that you, you know, that you're particularly interested in on the Facebook page, Give us a call, set up an appointment. We can we can get you in. You know, we ask the same questions as you would be going. You know, like if you're going to the doctor's office or another place. You know, have you been exposed to COVID nineteen? Are you showing symptoms? We are taking temperatures before people come in the building, um, and we ask that you wear a mask when you come in. Um, typically, we we try to limit 
you know, it, it's a little bit difficult to limit the amount of, the amount of people in each party to kind of to social distance, mm -hmm. but we can we can typically accommodate everyone else. You know, we have a lot of people that will just show up, mm -hmm. and we try to take those we try to take those people as we can, but we have to you know the, the appointments tend to take precedence over over sure. people that just will walk in. So most people are pretty accommodating when that when that comes around. When they hey you know wait in your car, if it's too hot you can wait in your car. We can call. We have a number on the door that we have people. Once again, that's that six five two number. They can actually call that number when they arrive to say, "Hey, we're, I'm here," so we can set them up to if they don't want to come to the front door and actually, you know, wait on wait on the actual front porch. They can wait in their car and wait for us to come get them. You know, tell us what car you're in. You know that that kind of stuff. Um, I will say that you know lately we've had a lot of um, uh, requests for rabies tags mm -hmm. and and pet registration and. We're doing those by we're doing those by mail only. Now, if there's a special situation that you would have that you for whatever reason you might need these rabies tags more than you know, typically the turnaround is one, you know, you know, seven to ten days for the mail-in when we get them and process them. If there's a problem with that and somewhere you need it to be sooner than that, we can certainly try to accommodate that. But I don't know, you know, I want to stress it. If there's a reason that you need to document that your, your animal has a, has been vaccinated for rabies, the best documentation you have is that rabies certificate that you're given by the veterinarian. If you're right. traveling across state lines and you're worried about, you know, needing proof of rabies for anything, that serves as your proof. There are some, you know, various, you know, like flights. If you're going to fly somewhere and you have to have a health certificate, same thing applies. It's not necessarily the tag and registration that they need. It's the actual proof of vaccine. So, you know, in cases in cases where people are, are, are urgently needing their rabies tag, you know, we've relaxed some of the requirements that we have as far as like when we go to wellness checks and things like that. Like if they have a vaccine, but they haven't registered with, there's a lag time for that, that we're not necessarily enforcing, you know, the, the 30 days after your vaccine to have uh -huh. that tag just to accommodate people like that. But sure. you know, I will say that, you know, that, that's been, that's been the biggest thing that we've seen is more, you know, a little bit of anxiety about not being able to get their tags. And we understand that. I, I think the biggest thing is, is you work with us so we can get, get it in the mail. If you need something sooner, we can certainly try to accommodate that. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to go back to the foster program for just a second. And I know you guys have a foster program, but it's in its infancy and it's not really, it's not ready to grow yet. Right. But there are other organizations that you guys work with that do have foster programs. And I know I hear a lot because I am a foster. I'll hear people say, well, I just don't, I can't foster. I don't have time. I don't have space. Really doesn't, unless you're doing what I'm doing where I have multiple fosters at a time, you don't need a lot of room. Um, but sometimes people will say, well, I can't take on another pet right now. Or I, I, I just you know, a, a commitment to a pet can be anywhere from five years to, to 20 years. I'm not sure I'm ready to make that commitment, but they might be able to foster somebody for a week, six weeks, a month. Right. Um, how would you, how would you tell those people to get involved? So as of right now, the best way to go, you can give us a call and we can put you in contact with some of the rescue organizations in Chatham County. You know, one of the big ones that we do that, that we do a lot of work with is um, Renegade Paws Rescue. They have a pretty robust dog foster program. They don't do a lot mm -hmm. of cat fostering, but they do a lot of dog stuff. And, you know, they, 
you know, of course you have to, you know, they have a process, an application process that you go through to actually, you know, they, they'll come look at your house, you know, make sure that you can handle the animals that they're going to let you foster. You know, if you have other animals that are there, they have to make sure they're okay with the other, with these dogs coming into the environment, make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do as far as rabies vaccines, taking care of those animals. But they, you know, in the end, they provide the care, they provide the food, they provide things that you may need to hold on to these animals as long as you may need to hold them. Um, you know, there's, a, you know, there's GER is another one, which is G-R-R-R. They have a website and a Facebook page. It's, I, okay. I, on the spot, I can't tell you what the, what it stands for, but they tip, they do the same thing. They come in, they have a foster program. They actually, come, they will come pull animals from us to put in foster programs. And once they really, once they're released off their stray hold, they uh -huh. have started doing a lot, you know, they do dogs. You know, it's it's funny. Each each of the rescues kind of have their own niche that they kind sure. of do. Like um, with Gur, they typically take older dogs. They take you know the older you know medically need you know medication uh -huh. needed those kind of you know sen senior dogs to put in foster. But he recently started doing a lot of cat stuff too. So oh, nice. Um, we have a you know like I said we have a, we have a pretty good you know network of rescues that we can work with. You know those are two of them. You know we have. You know, there's a local veterinarian that actually does a red clay rescue, and she does a lot of cat stuff. And okay. one of the things I will say is, like, you know, historically, when a cat came into the shelter and was tested for FIV, FEL, and, or feline leukemia, those cats were taking out, they weren't ideal for adoption. Right. And because, you know, you know, back when I started my career as a veterinarian, you know, 20 years ago, if, you know, if you had a cat that had feline leukemia, FIV, those you know, we typically euthanize those cats because there's no treatment for those diseases. And with FIV, it's basically an immunodeficiency disease where they could be sick. You know, if they get sick, they get sicker than other cats. It's, you know, similar to the way HIV works in people. But just like with HIV in people, there's, tr there's, there's treatment for HIV in people, but it doesn't mean a death sentence for these animals that are diagnosed with these diseases. So that's, you know, speaking of that, we've started using red clay as actually, you know, if we have cats that are coming here that are perfectly normal adoptable cats, but they may be FIV positive, FELV positive, then they can help find homes for those cats. That's awesome. So it's saving a life. It's, you know, it's not, you know, F, you know, like I said, feeling leukemia is one of those, it's a weird, like we learn more and more about it every year. And while it is a, it can sometimes be a disease that causes pretty severe sickness. It doesn't always. And uh -huh. it's not always, it's not really, you know, running one test to diagnose it and, and seeing it sometimes it shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be the final say in some of these cats. So we were able to place those in homes too. So, you know, with the help of all these rescues, we're able to find homes for these animals that we may not have been able to find homes with before. We still do adoptions here as well, but, you know, we, once again, you know, it's a, it's an intake outtake kind of thing. You take in too many animals, you don't have space for them. You have to figure out the best way to get them out. And using the foster programs that these organizations have, they can do that. I was actually looking at something, you know, setting up our own foster program because I'd been contacted by a couple of citizens about, you know, different ways to help people, especially now when people are at home, isolated. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, you know, I'll say in this podcast actually is that we're looking into doing some, you know, senior related stuff with cats. Okay where, you know, we can have these adoptable, you know, adoptable cats that we can actually work with some of the senior citizens, you know, some, you know, some of these, you know, people that are at home don't have much to do. We can put cats and, you know, everybody needs a cat. Absolutely. 
you know, cats, you know, petting a cat lowers your blood pressure. There's all kinds of, you know, taking care of something gives you something to do. And, and just the companionship. Yeah, absolutely. So you can tap into that and it's something, you know, it's another way to save some lives. So, you know, we're looking into that. Hopefully, you know, within the next, you know, six to, you know, six to 12 months, we can get a, a, a little bit more robust foster program here for cats and dogs where we do it directly. But when you have other organizations that are doing it really well, you kind of lean on them and do it with them. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a, a good way to do it. And since we're lucky enough in the county to have all those organizations that are willing to work with you to, to help these animals. Um, and I know that those organizations are looking for fosters. Um, so if you decide that you do want to foster after watching this, um, give animal services a call. They'll put you in touch with the right rescue group um, that can help you. I know a couple of my neighbors are doing it. Um, they've each had a number of dogs that they have fostered. Sometimes they foster it for a week. Sometimes they foster it for two months. Um, but it, it really has been rewarding to them. Their dogs like it because they have somebody new to play with. Um, right. And it is just not that hard of a, um, I guess it's just not that, that big of a burden on the foster to to help save a life is what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry, my, my train of thought went away there. Um, so I think that that's a, a great thing to do. Um, I have one more topic I wanna talk about before we let you go, because I know you have other things to do today. Okay. Um, since you know we've talked about COVID-19 a couple of times, um, COVID-19 and animals. I mean, people are kind of afraid to adopt animals right now because we have seen some things where cats and dogs have gotten a COVID or a coronavirus, right. um, but we're not really seeing transmission from animals to humans. But can you can you address that to a topic a little bit? Yeah, I think you know initially you know it's a daily learning thing with with COVID nineteen. Is that every day I think we find out something new, mm -hmm. and when it first when when we first started finding out about this in the you know back in February you know. Yes, February, March, there was some concern. There were a couple of animals that were diagnosed with, I know there was a tiger at some point that was, you know, that was, that was diagnosed with COVID-19. There haven't been any known transmissions from animal, like from a dog or a cat to a person. You know, there was, before there was also a concern about, you know, the animals being um, fomites, which means the virus would get on an animal, you know, the virus, you know, you cough on your dog, your dog, you, someone else pets your dog and they lick their hand, then they could transmit it that way. That's, you know, that's a very controversial thing. And I don't think there's a lot of, found, I don't think there's a lot of documented cases with that either. Um, I will say that, you know, part of the concern is it's a coronavirus. So we know for a fact that there are, there are so many different coronaviruses that we you know, documented. Dogs have a coronavirus specific, cats have a coronavirus. Um, and so when you hear that coronavirus thing, you know, you know you, people have a tendency to kind of lump them all together. The mm -hmm. cat coronavirus doesn't typically infect people. Cats can, you know, most cats probably have a coronavirus in their system. If you test them specifically for feline coronavirus, you would probably test you know, I don't know the statistics, but a, a large percentage of those cats will have it. So, you know, the, the fear of not adopting an animal or not taking care of an animal because that you might catch you know, COVID-19 from them isn't, isn't really a founded thing. I think that, you know, 
it all goes back to normal hygiene. You know, the way you would get it, you know, the, the, if there was a way to get it from an animal, the way you would get it would be through, you know, touching it, not washing your hands. Yeah, right. Or, or letting them lick you in the face. You know, people talk all the time, oh, you shouldn't let your dog or your cat lick you in the face. People do it all the time. It happens. I let, I do it. You know, I'm told you shouldn't, but you do. So, yeah. you know, that, you know, that could, that could be a risk, but honestly that, you know, that, like I said, there's not a, there's very little documentation about this. You know, there was, you know, there was, I, I think I recall a case of where there was a, a family that all were all diagnosed with, with COVID-19 and then their dog also had it. Uh-huh. But once again, you know, where did it come from? Who did it? You know, what, what, where were the testing? You know, there's so many, there's so many ifs and unfounded stuff in these things. You can't really make a, you can't really make a case out of all of it. I think the biggest part of it is wash your hands yeah. and yeah. be careful. Yeah. But I, I don't think, I don't think having coronavirus or worrying about animals and cats and dogs transmitting coronavirus is something that we should be concerned with. Yeah, I think the moral of the, that story was one, don't own a tiger, and two, wash your hands. Um, don't don't touch somebody's animal and then lick your hand. Um, right. Why you would do that, I don't know, but this nonetheless. Um, anyway, regardless of a global pandemic. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. An animal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're wrapping this up for today. Um, Abby, final thoughts. Um. Well, I'm just excited to see what cats are available. Um, I would like to go to animal services and maybe take some pictures if y'all need any any help because I'm I'm interested and I'm thinking maybe soon we might adopt a cat because I know my daughter would really like it. But got to talk to the husband first. <laughs> I keep trying to get her to come to my house, Dr. Harper, and look at one of the ones that I have because you know I have a collection. Um, those are foster cats. Foster cats. I don't have a collection of my own. I have a couple, but not a collection. Dr. Harper, final thoughts on either the the TNVR or cat adoptions or anything else that you want to get out there today? No, I think that, you know, we're doing a lot of things. We're doing a lot of things. You know, our our main goal here is to increase, is decrease euthanasia rates and increase life-saving capacity of animal shelter. And that that takes a lot that takes on a lot of different aspects and i think you know we're working from all different angles to do this and you know hopefully we'll see some advancement in this and hopefully we'll be able to continue with some of these things and you know continue to get community involvement with these things and community support i think is the big part of it it's like you know the, the more people involved i think animal welfare in chatham county is increasing as we speak and I think it, it all goes back to knowledge and it all goes back to involvement. I think as long as we can, you know, work together on all these things, I think we can, we can move in the right direction. All right. Well, my final thought of the day is either go adopt an animal um, or see about being a foster. And if you have any animals uh, or any cats that are strays in your area, call about the the TNVR program uh, because we want this to be a wildly successful program. Uh, Dr. Harper, thank you for being here with us today. Uh, You're you're a regular guest on this show, so we'll be having you back in a couple weeks. Uh, You guys have a lot of things to do because you not only do the adoptions, but you also do enforcement. So we're going to talk about some of those things in in the weeks coming up. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, Join us again next week for the chat. 
and we'll talk about yet another service. I think actually next week we're talking about uh, National Preparedness Month because we are in that area of peak hurricane season. So join us next time and thank you and have a great day.